it starts with be nice. It starts with that general care, that authentic care that we stand between her and bad stuff that happens in our communities and that happens to her. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Now, let's get started. Earlier this month, about 400 members of the fire service from more than 20 states got together for the Phoenix Firefighters Symposium. They were gathered to hear about Mrs. Smith. Now, if you've been around long enough to remember Phoenix Fire Chief Alan Brunacini, you'll likely have heard of Mrs. Smith. If you haven't, sit back and let me fill you in. Back in 1996, Chief Brunacini, Bruno to his friends, came up with the idea of Mrs. Smith. She represents why the fire service exists. She's the first priority for firefighters, the customer they serve. She stands for all the people who call for any kind of help from the fire department. Mrs. Smith has become legendary in Arizona fire departments thanks to Bruno's consistent demand that his people keep her top of mind at all times. Bruno left us in 2017, but Mrs. Smith remains as his legacy, and her influence is growing. As each class of new recruits is taught to remember her, and more members of other departments hear about what she stands for, They carry the message of customer service to Mrs. Smith nationwide. The symposium was an annual event, but it was discontinued in 2007, shortly after Bruno's retirement. But a group of Phoenix firefighters decided to bring the event back this year. With the support of the United Phoenix Firefighters Local 493, they did it. So what was the big deal about this two-day event? So what was the big deal about this two-day event? It was, and still is, about just what the symposium slogan says, taking care of Mrs. Smith. Symposium speaker Chris Stewart is deputy chief at Arizona's Rio Verde Fire Department and a former Phoenix firefighter. He explained what Mrs. Smith needs from the fire service. She needs a lot, quite frankly. You guys are experiencing it every day. She needs a lot and she has varying degrees of needs depending on the day. But she needs a standard set of things for us in our service delivery. And it starts with be nice. It starts with that general, that general care, that authentic care that we stand between her and bad stuff that happens in our communities and that happens to her. She needs us to be good at our jobs. She needs us to respond in a manner that which when our mentality is, is we are going to save her life. That's taking it seriously. That's training. That's the preparation. 
that's the execution, and that's the give a shit about her. She needs us to respond without bias. It doesn't matter who's calling us. It absolutely does not. The communities, our communities need us. They look to us as probably the best form of government, as Chief Brunicini would say, the fire service is the absolute best form of government. You don't have to fill out any forms. You don't need a credit report. You don't have to do anything other than pick, pick up the phone and call a three-digit number and say, I need help. And we ask you, where are you and what's the matter? And then we show up, we, we take care of what's going on, and then we leave. She needs us to be good at our jobs. She needs us to be able to take care of each other. She needs us to actually care for one another as much as we care for her. Because when we fail at taking care of each other and managing each other and training each other and holding each other accountable, it is seen in the service delivery. She can feel it. She doesn't know it, but she can feel it. What does she expect from us? This is an interesting conversation right now in the American Fire Service. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of feelings about what the community and what Mrs. Smith expects from us. Our jobs to pay attention, our jobs to look at things, and our jobs to, to know and understand and recognize the things that they are communicating or she is communicating to us about what she expects us to be able to do for her. She expects us to be good at our jobs. She expects us to know how to put fires out. She expects us to know how to search. She expects us to know when to ventilate. She expects us to show up and act in a way that we actually care about her. And it's, and it's shown through the, the product and the service that we actually deliver for her. One of Bruno's more famous observations was that egos eat brains. It's a major reason that Mrs. Smith gets poor service. That nice little saying there, which is one of my absolute favorite, is egos eat brains. That is a 100% fact. And it's hard. Egos are hard to get rid of. In every profession, egos are hard. It's been hard for me to manage my ego. But egos have everything to do with us. Egos have everything to do with a self-centered view, whether that's positive or negative. It doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily matter, right? When we're thinking about us, how we feel about the situation, how we feel about the work, and how we feel about Mrs. Smith is getting in the way of us likely doing the right thing or the most effective thing or the, or the safest thing. Chris listed the four Ps and why they're important to Mrs. Smith. And she regularly talks about the four P's. When we showed up, we did something to likely impact the people in her life or her herself, her pets, her pictures, and her pills. Those are the things that matter to her. She might not have a lot, but those things are the closest and most valuable things that she had. When we show up, effectively manage our job, our work, our execution, we greatly impact those. Speaker Mark Von Appen, a captain at the Palo Alto, California Fire Department, told the crowd why it's important to take care of each other in the firehouse. In a world where people no longer want to come out of their houses, where food is delivered and they leave it on your doorstep, a truck shows up and delivers goods to your house, and you can even put on your phone, I don't want to come outside, I want it left at the front door, don't not. Right? We're one of the last true customer service 
industries out there where people trust us implicitly, okay? We can't deliver outstanding customer service. We keep saying Mrs. Smith. We can't deliver outstanding customer service to our people if we can't first treat each other right in the firehouse. And he touched on mentorship as well. Mentorship is something that's like lightning in a bottle. And we have to tell everybody within our organization that if you've been on the job one day longer than somebody else, you've got something that you can share with the new people coming on board. Whether it's making coffee, how to stay out of trouble, you know, the things, the cultural things that you may not know coming into an organization if they don't give it to you in an etiquette talk, okay? It's really important that, that you know, we reinforce that mentoring and that peer-driven accountability in our people. Turning to how the service to Mrs. Smith gets delivered, the team of Anthony Castros and Brian Brush delivered a powerful presentation. Anthony, a battalion chief at Sacramento Metro Fire, explained how a tragic loss of victims' lives led to a new training program. That program saved lives in a similar fire a few years later. Brian Brush, who conducted a study of people rescued by firefighters for a master's degree project, is chief of training at Midwest City, Oklahoma Fire. He outlined why victims die even with today's modern enhanced gear. We have better interventions than we ever had before. We have ALS, we have bunker gear, we have SCBAs, we have radios, we have thermal imagers. We have all the tools available to us today that they didn't. We are not realizing their true potential. Aaron Field says it's like as if the fire service was equipped with rifles and we continue to fight with bayonets. Let's, let's get after it. Let's start engaging the enemy on a whole nother level. Let's make our new mission improve outcomes. Today's fire problem is not fire, it's exposure. It was in 1973, we failed to recognize it. We continue to say that physical exposure of the thermal threat is higher than it ever has been. Heat release rates, black fire, all those things, exposure problems to surfaces, gas cooling, uh-uh, surface cooling, water mapping. The respiratory tract of civilians, closed doors, today's problem is an exposure problem first, fire problem second. We have to knock out the exposures. We got real-time data. We are an interior fire service. This is no joke. We think about how long we've been doing this job. The American Fire Service has been around a long time, but interior work has only been really truly organized since the mid-80s. We, we have not been inside that long. People are like, man, we're only learning now about water mapping and fire dynamics. Yes. Because some of the guys who taught me when I was coming on the fire service in 1996, the guys that were teaching me how to use my SCBA and work inside a house fire were brought up in a time where they didn't use SCBAs. My lifetime alone, you guys in this room are probably some of the first generations that have been fully encapsulated and fully interior. We, we got to recognize we're still learning. We're always learning. We're just learning now about our interior environment. But his study did have some positives. And what I found out was that in the first 90 days, there was 454 incidents where American firefighters rescued a civilian on the fire ground. What blew my mind was of those 454 incidents, 881 civilians were rescued. So when we do make rescues, it's, it's usually more than one. And it comes out to a rate of 9.8 a day. American firefighters equipped properly 
well-trained, organized, with a will to make a difference, are executing rescues at a rate of 10 a day. That's something we should be damn proud of. Our recruiting would go through the roof if people knew how many people we were saving because that's why they get in the fire service to save lives. They, they, they don't want to get in the fire service to get cancer or to be sad. They want to get in the fire service to make a difference. The fire service is an amazing group of people in a lot of ways. We're making differences every day. Don't forget that. Commit to it. And I promise you in time we will show that our numbers are going to keep going up. Because the more you believe in something, the more you want to get after it. As to who gets the credit for those lives saved, Brush had a reality check for the audience. Hey, the, the great things we're doing in the fire service is we're reducing the number of fires. And that's done through prevention. So what are the five major strategies on this slide right now? Prevention programs, public education, smoke alarms. These are the five major strategies to address the nation's fire problem. Do you see increased staffing on this list? Do you see any operational commitment of money and resources and training? The direction is towards prevention because prevention is the only one demonstrating that they have value. Once the fire starts, it says right there, deaths are almost as likely as they were 40 years ago. That says prevention, you guys get the Medal of Honor, operations, you guys are just kind of taking up space in the community. We can't stand for that. We can't, we gotta push hard. We talk about the nation's fire problem as once being material. It was once centered around loss. I'm telling you guys today, the, the fire, our fire problem right now is existential. Why do we exist? We have to ask ourselves, why do we exist? We have to make it clear. We have to demonstrate it. Because there's a whole lot of movements right now about defunding, different strategies. He gave this example of how slowly the fire service as a whole changes its messaging. In 1973, we knew that smoke from fires was killing children in their beds. We talk about missed opportunities a lot, man. In 1973, we had the opportunity to recognize that closing a door could save lives. It took us 50 years to communicate that to our public. Think of how many parents are without their children. Think of how many kids didn't see graduation. We missed a lot of opportunities over the last 50 years. I, I don't want to miss any more. It's, it's time that we start our mission to getting better. Andy suggested why that happens. Our team has been blessed to teach over 170 fire departments around the nation. And there are parts of the country that say, welcome to X state, we don't do this. Whatever that tactic is. Okay, VES, vertical band, whatever, positive pressure, whatever it is. We don't do that, okay. Why? What was it ever happen? Okay, why? Because we don't. Why? Because we never have. That's so awesome. Let's smoke a bowl together. <laughs> Andrew Ray, a Phoenix firefighter with just under a year on the job, said he knows the value of hearing these experienced leaders' guidance. I think it's really important. I think, you know, with the, the call volumes that we're running these days, to be able to get in a room full of people that... You know, I look around the room, there's a lot of people here that helped me get hired and a lot of people that I've worked for that I really respect. 
Um, and I think to be able to sit in a room like this and look around and see the people that are here that are committed to you know, everything that we're talking about today, I think is, is influential being a young guy on the job. Um, that makes me want to follow those, those people more. Christina Lopez is with Avondale, Arizona Fire and Medical. She's been a firefighter for five years and agrees that hearing the message from those with more experience is valuable. I think it's super important because it's nice to have good reminders of things throughout your entire career. Um, it's something we never forget, but some, we just lose sight of. Or the importance, it's just nice to be reiterated and be heard from, from different perspectives, from chiefs. We had Navy SEALs here today. It's just nice to hear the concepts here stuff about the culture through different experience. We also talked with Jeremiah King, who's been a Code 3 guest in the past. He's a captain at the Central Arizona Fire and Medical Authority. He's well acquainted with Mrs. Smith. I've been on the job for 23 years, and I think every day we run into Mrs. Smith's stories. It's something that we uh, pride ourselves on in taking care of the customer, uh, leaving every scene no matter the extent of the scene with a is there anything else we can do for you and making sure that we provide the best service possible to the very end. And always remember as Bruno liked to say be nice to Mrs. Smith and to each other. There are links to the Phoenix Firefighters Symposium and other resources at our website code3podcast.com slash pfs You can also sign up to be notified about next year's event if you'd like, so check it out. And if you enjoy Code 3, do me a favor and tell someone else in the fire service about the show. It'll make you look good, and it's the best way to grow the audience. Since show ideas often come from listeners, that means more new and different topics for everyone to hear about. Have you sent in a topic that you think I should cover in a future show? Just email it to scott at code3podcast.com. That's also a good place to send comments about how we're doing. I'll be looking for your suggestions. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe and be nice. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.